Well, we're looking at this morning, or continuing in our study on, on doctrine, what is God like? What is God like? And remember last week we looked at a, a few thoughts in, in introducing this, starting with the doctrine of God, what people believe about God, what, or well, no, not what they believe about God, what their worldview is, is atheism and um, <clears throat> agnosticism, polytheism, that's many gods, pantheism, that God in everything, deism, uh, wind the clock up and leave it go, and then there's theism, and that's where we come in. And we looked at how people argue their philosophies for the existence of God, the cosmological argument, the cause and effect, there must be a God, the teleological argument, observable design in everything, everywhere, God's organized things, the anthropological argument, the moral inclination of man, and even in Romans it talks of that. We looked at that, the ontological argument. Man has an idea of perfection and infinity. And where does that come from? They want to <laughs> something better. And then we looked at how God has revealed himself. How God has revealed himself. There's two major ways that God has revealed himself. Can you remember? He's revealed himself in nature, Psalm 19, and he's revealed himself in special revelation. Aren't you glad you have the Bible? Aren't, you, aren't we glad we have the Bible? Because if, if we didn't have that, imagine what we wouldn't know. But what we do know now, now that we have the scripture, and that's why it tells us in the Bible, in Timothy, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Just heard someone speaking today that the Israel, the church is the Israel of God. What do they mean? Well, the church has replaced Israel. No, that's wrong. You see, you rightly divide the word. What about the thousands of other verses that say contrary to that one verse they try to use? And so <clears throat> we look at the special revelation of God what a blessing it is the natural revelation is given to all it's intended for all every night and day it utters speech the special revelation is given to few but it's intended for all for God so loved the world that gave his only son the natural revelation is adequate for condemnation there's enough in the natural revelation for God to condemn those that do not believe and the special revelation is sufficient for salvation. It tells us the way to God. In the Old Testament, there were sacrifices given. There was, a, there was a high priest and all the things that they did there. But now we have our great high priest seated in the heavens, the Lord Jesus. And he provides salvation to all that call upon him. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did Paul say? Thou shalt be saved to the Philippian jailer. Well, in the natural revelation, it proclaims God's greatness. Um, <clears throat> I, I like looking up what they're finding with the James Webb telescope. You say, you, I get sick of hearing that, but the things they're finding, they're trying to look back to before it begun. I think they're eager to see the Big Bang <laughs> and all the light that emanated from that. But they say they've got one billion years from that, they're this way of that, and it's 28.5, no, 0.9 billion light years, I mean light years, <laughs> that uh, that light that they now see from the furthest star they can find 
has been travelling to us. What do you say? <laughs> what does the Bible say? Special revelation. See that? God made it and in six days he brought it all together and he created You say, well, how did the light get here so quick? You know, it's been billions of years for that light to travel at 186,000 miles per second. It takes that long to get here, that many light years. God created that too <laughs> so that we could all see the starry heavens from the start right from the start no problem with God is it if he can if he can make it all so it proclaims God's greatness the natural revelation but the special revelation it proclaims God's grace for by grace are we saved through faith and not of yourselves God is good isn't he in that he has revealed himself to us and, and uh, we have the how these things are revealed to us well <laughs> the word of God in special revelation and the others we've already looked at. So let's pray and ask the Lord as we go into looking more at the attributes, some of the attributes of God today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have shown us these things in nature, in the wonderful creation. We see your handiwork everywhere. Speaks of design to perfection, only seen we humans have caused it to fall and fail and it groans along with us. But Lord, thank you for the special revelation you've given us, the Bible. And may we treasure the Bible, may we read it, may we obey it and follow it in our lives. And Lord, we'll follow it on unto, into glory where we'll see you face to face. We'll see the living word, the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for those that are not with us, that you'll be with them for the Bassets as they travel to Melbourne right now. Lord, give them guidance and protection and be with Brother Murray as he has this uh, medical procedure uh, ministered to him and Kalpana as she travels around in Melbourne, Lord, and minister to them and minister to those that aren't here because of sickness. Lord, we pray for Brother Dunn that he would continue to get better after his operation on Friday and minister to his needs. Lord, minister to our spiritual needs. It's very important. Lord, be with our missionaries. We think of them and the difficulties they face, the cultural differences. Lord, the opportunities they desire to have in thinking through their letters and their desire to have that happen, that they might give the good news of the word of God, that these people might where they've gone might have more than the natural revelation, but give, have the special revelation, the word of God given to them. Guide us now in the Lord Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> okay. And as studying these attributes, I thought it doesn't seem right that we as mere mortals what we're made of, clay, <laughs> should be trying to explain the immortal God. <laughs> you know, the eternal, omniscient, omnipotent God. But God has allowed it to be so and arranged it to be so. In the book of Romans, chapter 9 and verse 20, we read this. Nabat, but, O man... Who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? 
Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honour and another to dishonour? Can we argue with God about what he has deemed and designed and made? No, we can't. Now that's in the midst of that section that uh, is de- <laughs> there's quite a bit of debate about, especially from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. But God has designed things so and he allows us mere mortals made of clay that have an eternal soul that's the difference Uh, a spirit that will will abide forever your dog will not have heaven to look forward to you will or hell if you don't believe words are not sufficient and you often feel inadequate when trying to explain the things of God and what God is like (laughs) It's as you read the scriptures and the more I do, the more I say it's wonderful that he has given this. God has allowed it so that we might know him and having a, have a living relationship with him. And that's what he desires. He desired it in the garden and he, he desires it for eternity. Eternity is Revelation 21 verse 3 states, And I heard... A great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's what the destiny is of those that believe and trust the Lord Jesus. Wonderful destiny. That's his desire. That's why he created us. It's, it, and thank, thankful for that. God could have gone on existing as he was in eternity past, into eternity future without any mankind, without any world, couldn't he? He, he doesn't need us, but he, he designed us and placed in us the, the, that which will be eternal, heaven or hell. With the different channels of revelation, we can learn something about what God is like, what we've spoken of, the natural revelation, but now the special revelation, the char- characteristics of God known as his attributes. When the Bible say, says in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, he him. Male and female, no other gender, created he them. That's it. Full stop. <laughs> but looking at this, this means there are some ways in which we are like God because it says there we've been created in the image of God God has a will if you've got children and you know yourself <laughs> about yourself you know you've got a, a will it can choose right and can choose wrong it can please God or not we have a will in that way we are like God God has emotions it talks about his anger of course talks about his pleasure it talks about other emotions that he has do you have emotions yes and sometimes they're on display rightfully and some wrongfully we have an intellect limited but when we get to heaven wow it'll be unlocked but god has intellect too doesn't he look around and see the design God has intellect. He is just. So can we be, but we also can be unjust, but he can't be that. 
So there's some ways in which we're like partly, partially like him. He is love and we can love. But not love as he loved all the time. Because his love was an agape love that gives in spite of not receiving anything in return at all. There are ways in which he is unique and not like us. And this we'll find in the attributes, like he is omniscient. He is all-knowing, knows every little detail. If you ask him how many atoms in the sun, bang. (laughs) And, And how many stars in the universe, how many galaxies to start with. Billions of theirs and billions of um, stars in each galaxy. How many? And he and, and you could ask him. And, and what's the name of the one in what's uh, what's the, what's a galaxy? <laughs> Milky Way. Well, at home, we're, what's the name of all these stars? Because <laughs> he named them all, and he names us too as his special children. So he's omniscient. He's omnipotent. That means he's all powerful. We are not. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere present. Where two or three uh, gather together, there he is in the midst of us. And he's every, everywhere present, everywhere else, in all of the universe and to infinity and beyond. <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> we could keep saying that. We, we are not. Now, <clears throat> in that we, will, we were born, that begins eternity for us. <laughs> Somewhere. Because God's given us eternal spirit, soul that's going to live for eternity. And that's the important thing to make sure you're going to eternal, the eternal heaven, not eternal hell. Um, so we are not in that we haven't existed for eternity past. In the mind of God we did, but not literally. So, you know, when it comes to abortion and all those things, we began then at conception. In, David said in Psalm, in sin did my mother conceive me. So, and there's a whole sermon in that phrase. But he, <clears throat> that's where we started. So, can we say from what we've just referred to, we are gods? No, no. We are not even little g. <laughs> we are not. In Roman, I mean Psalms, Psalms 82, verse 5 and 8 reads... And the Lord quoted this in the New Testament. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. If ever there was a time, like in Noah's day, things are out of course. If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Is a watch cry of the creationist. And the foundations are being destroyed today. The foundations of faith, of society, of the family... What shall the righteous do? Well, it's out of course. Let's stay on course. <laughs> Let's not get off course. But ye... Oh, I, in verse 6, I have said, Ye are gods, little g, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, or thou shalt in, for thou shalt inherit all nations. If we go to the Gospel of John where the Lord quoted these verses in chapter 10 and verse 34, we read there, Jesus answered them, Is it not not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? If ye call them gods unto whom the word of God came, 
and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemous, because I, I said I am the Son of God. He's declaring his deity here to these people. And uh, you're saying I blaspheme because I say I am God. If I do the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, thou, if I oh, sorry, if I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believeth the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And so, who is God? The Lord Jesus Christ. Are we gods? No, we're not. We're made in his image. In Acts 17.28, For by him we have, we live and move and have our being. As certain of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. We are his race. We have been created by his omnipotent hand. And um, <clears throat> that was Paul replying to those at Mars Hill in saying that in Acts 17.28. Now let's look at our first attribute. Take a look at the first one, which is omniscient. God knows everything. And with each of these, you can consider a multitude of applications to our life. How this applies to me. How I should behave because I know that God is, first of all, omniscient. Both what has, will and might or could have happened is known by God. Have you ever thought, what if I'd taken that route? What if I'd changed a, a different career? What if I'd born in a different country? Listen to what it says in Matthew eleven twenty one: If the mighty works which were done in you, Tyre and Sidon, had been done... Oh, sorry... <laughs> That's the ones referred to, were done in you, had been done. And he's talking to the people he addressed in Matthew 11. They would have repented. This is the possible circumstances and outcomes that could have been if things had been different in sackcloth and ashes. So he knows what might have been. Have you ever asked yourself the question, what if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned? Well, God knew what would have happened. <laughs> I'm sure by now it'd be so packed we'd be shoulder to shoulder in the world. <laughs> but there's other places He could have taken us to because He's going to give us day, a day, in one day a, a, a mortal body, immortal body that will be able to go off this planet. Anyway, what ifs? <laughs> but God has had it happen so. God knew that it would happen the way it has happened. In Psalm 147 and verse 4. Speaking of the omniscience of God, God telleth the number of the stars and he calleth them all by their names that I've just talked about before. Billions of galaxies with billions of stars in each one. And, and if we look up at the, star, at the sky and we see, oh, there's a star. No, it's probably, it could be a galaxy. So far away, but it looks like a one little star. And there's billions of stars in them. And God calleth them all by name, as I mentioned earlier. Trillions of them. We have trouble trying to find a name for our children, you know. <laughs> what are we going to call our children when they're born? God doesn't. Um, and Acts 15 verse 8. Knowing unto God 
are all his works from the beginning of the world. So he knew from the beginning of the world and before all the things that he'd do while the world existed. And he folded all up one day as a garment that's waxed old. <laughs> he knows that. We know partly what he's up to. But there's a whole lot of things that he's going to reveal to us throughout eternity. Ephesians speaks of it. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28. We're not planning to go through all those attributes, by the way, that are listed there, the 11 that we have, the main ones. We'll just go as far as we can with time. In Isaiah 44, verse 28, it says this. Who saith of Cyrus, leader of Medes and Persians, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built. And to the temple, the foundation, thy foundations shall be laid. In the next chapter, thus saith the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, an unbelieving person, an anointed person, whose right hand have I holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two-leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked ways or crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, who call thee by thy name, shall am the God of Israel. <clears throat> when was this given? When did Isaiah receive this? You see, the dates are important. At least 200 plus years before Cyrus has even come on the scene, before the Medes and Persians had come to power, Babylon had still to reign, and the captivity of Israel, Judah and, and Benjamin had still to take place. And here God is naming the individual. You know, in Scripture, you can't deny it. He knows everything. And so when... <clears throat> Cyrus turned up on the scene in Ezra chapter 1. Just because we go back in the Bible, it doesn't mean we go back in history. <laughs> it's not written in the chronological order of history. But we read there now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, we read it in Isaiah, did we not? Um, <clears throat> might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also into writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, just like he said he would, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. What did he know? He knew the writing of the prophet that we've just read there. In, in the book of Isaiah 44. Who is there among you of all his people, Jewish people, his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem. Aren't you glad he was obedient to the word of the Lord and to the prophecies that were upon him? Are we? Uh, remember the ostrich last week? <laughs> Have we been given abilities by God, a talent? Yeah, run with it like the ostrich does and, and build a house of the Lord, God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whoever remaineth. You know, if you want to go home, this, this is a foreign king. 
telling Israel or the Jews, you can go home. Now, these people could rise up in rebellion, but God put it in his heart. God prophesied it. And is God all-knowing? Of course he does. He knows. He knows your end from the beginning. <clears throat> so, 200 years prior. Practical applications of this. Let's go back to the psalm. Was our reading this morning? Psalm 139. Just not all of the psalm, because that comes with another one of the attributes of God. But verse 1 and 6, it says, O Lord... Thou hast searched me and, what's the word? Knowing, the, the omniscience, the knowing of God. He knows everything, knowing me. And we can say what the psalmist said applied to us. Thou knowest my downsittings, the hard times, and knowest mine uprisings, the times of blessing. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. What are you thinking right now? <laughs> Bring it into line with the scripture. Bring it into line with worshipping the Lord and the beauty of his holiness this morning. Because he knows what you're thinking. I don't. I can't say brother or sister so and so is off with the fairies. You know, wandering about the universe. And I, look, when, you, when the preaching of the words happen, I know that you, you, your mind gets sidetracked with other scripture. That's fine. <laughs> and you go off and you start writing your own sermon. <laughs> but be in the word, be in an attitude of worship and reverence because God knows what you're thinking. Afar off, thou compassed my path and my lying down and, and acquainted with all my ways. I remember I preached a sermon and it says in scripture, God is above us, he's below us, he's behind us and he's beside us. We're surrounded. <laughs> Surrender, <laughs> you know, hands up. And that's what we should do when we when the Lord convicts us by his Holy Spirit and you're a sinner and you need to repent and you're on your way to hell. We need to say, I surrender. <laughs> Who am I to argue with God? But, but the majority of people are not saying I surrender. But God is all around, as it says there. All our ways are known by him. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Everything we say, everything we think we once would like to say is known. Do you think, I need to go home and confess some things? Because <laughs> I've thought some things I haven't said, but I've thought them. He knows our thoughts. Thou hast beset me behind before, and, and this is one behind and before, as I mentioned, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge, his omniscience, is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. Who inspired the writer of Psalms to David to write these things? God showed him that these things are so. The Holy Spirit. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? It says in those verses, skip over to verse 13. There that was read earlier. <clears throat> For thou hast possessed my reins and hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works, marvellous are they, and my soul knoweth right well. And so we could read on in that psalm. Memorise that psalm. It's a great psalm to remember as you travel through life. Verse 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So the practical application of this. He knew us before we existed. He knows that we'd be presented. He knew we'd be presented with salvation. 
He knew that we who are Christians would surrender and trust him and that we would then serve him to different degrees. We should be all out like Paul was. He knew our sadnesses, he knew our rejoicing, our singing, and he knew our responses to all these things. So there's many practical applications to the omniscience of God. He knows all about us. He, he knows us better than we know ourselves. <laughs> Easily. Let's go to the second one. Holiness. As I said, we're only covering a few today. Holiness. The dictionary definition is an absence of evil. And that's what they give. But that's a negative. It puts it in the negative, an absence of evil. His holiness is more than that. God is righteous. He's perfect. He's light, as the scripture says. Set apart or separate from all sin and evil, nothing tainted at all because of his holiness. Now, <clears throat> to illustrate this, what does it mean to be healthy? Does it mean more than not being sick? It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Likewise, holiness is more than the absence of sin. It is a positive, healthy state of just being right. <laughs> this is what John meant when he said in John 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He's absolutely holy. So that's the positive way of looking at this attribute of holiness. Psalm 29, and we sing of the holiness of God and I had a song written in the aisle here and I didn't put it down as one to sing but you know holy and yes, we should sing it the Lord God Almighty God in three persons but Psalm 29 verse 2 says give unto the Lord the glory due to his name worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness Come before the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And that we can do as mere mortals. Psalm 47 verse 8. This is just a few selected ones. God reigneth over the, earth, over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. You know, we often pick on other people and say, Oh, how unholy they are. How desperately wicked they are. You think about God sitting on the throne of his holiness and looking at our lives, looking at our thoughts, looking at our ways and saying, hmm. Um, I mean, he does say, yeah, he's my son, but <laughs> he's not acting like my son or daughter because he's not holy as I am holy. So do you want to please God? Walk in his holiness. Think of him sitting on the throne of his holiness. Think and meditate upon the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 48.1 Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. In the mountain of his holiness. Practical implications of this. As it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 15, <clears throat> As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he who hath called you is holy, what's the rest? So be ye holy in all manner 
of conversation. And that word is not just talk, conversation, it's every action of your life. That's what we should be doing, knowing about the holiness of God. So a dictionary definition doesn't do it just the holiness of God, justice, an absence of evil. It's an active living right, isn't it? As God is walking, as he is light, not walking light, he is the light. We ought to walk in the light also. Now, the former conversation, the past life, it talks about all these things in the New Testament. Colossians, Ephesians, put off, put on, make dead, put to death. These, the old nature that we might walk in holiness in all manner of our conversation. <clears throat> to many so-called Christians, we go skating on thin ice. No, we don't skate on ice here because it's never thick enough. But in other countries, there is ice and they go out on the lakes and ski and parents always and constantly warn their children, don't skate on the thin ice. And it's probably the thinnest where the water is the deepest with the water heat in the water. But <clears throat> if you do, you'll go through and get frozen to death. So many Christians skate on thin ice. So many Christians, and, and, and the wives might feel the husbands do this as they drive up around the mountains, get too close to the edge of where it just falls off to a cliff. Slow down, we might go off, and that's a long way to the bottom. But Christians do that. How far can I go without God doing anything to me? How far can I go without God chastening me? That's not the way we should live. We shouldn't walk, you know, try to walk so close to the edge of the cliff. It, it, you know, the hole might collapse under you. It happened where I was first work, walking, work, working when I was only 17. A fellow with a D9 was up on one of the burns of the quarry and there were about 30 foot drops and he was just trying to get all the excess rock and push it into the next level. And uh, because of the blasting all that, some had been loosed and what happened? The whole lot just fell out underneath him and it, it flung the dozer around and, it, and the big, big rippers at the back dug into the rock and he's, he's hanging like this and they get massive cranes to lift it off. He was skating on thin ice. He was going too close to the edge. Christians, don't go too close to the edge. Don't try to say, what can I get away with? Walk in the light. <clears throat> A proper concept of the holiness as a requirement for Christian living should end a lot of discussions on <clears throat> what is permitted in my life. <clears throat> We should not get so close to that, but we should get so close to the, the safe side, to God, so close to him that we won't even desire to get close to the edge and sin and what can I get away with in life. We should be so walking in holiness, we don't want to please ourselves or with this world, but we want to please our saviour and what he's planned for our eternity, for our life. Let's get close to the Lord. <clears throat> And not say, what will God permit without me smacking? Little children do this. <clears throat> You've had them. We've had them. And the grandchildren too. They're dead all sinners. Hopefully they all get saved. <laughs> you know, they, <clears throat> you tell them not to do something. And, and what is in their mind to do? That's what I want to do now. Nothing else but what you told me not. <laughs> Christians are no different. Little children, 
don't touch the hot stove. The hand goes up, no. And you go to the kitchen and they put it on and they go, ah, told you not to. That's walking on, skating on thin ice. Folks, he is holy. So let's walk holy. So be ye holy in all manner of life. Ah, there's practical applications to these attributes of God. Thirdly, God is just and righteous, putting two together. While holiness has to do with his character, justice or righteousness has to do with his holy character in all his dealings with men. Ah, are you thankful for the justice of God? Everything that's been done wrong will be righted. Everything that's done wrong, there'll be a just sentence brought about. We can't see and know everything. The criminal justice system is try, tries to, to, to get out of people and to, to catch them on a, a word or something, a, uh, now an email or a phone or a text or a where were you and oh no I wasn't there ah, your phone says you was you know they're trying to get but man we don't know the judges struggle the prosecutors and that struggle to find the truth but not God because the other attribute he knows everything he knows our thoughts so he knows what's going justice will be brought God it says in Acts 10 verse 34 is not a respecter of persons. His justice will go cut right through. He's, he doesn't have favourites. He doesn't show favouritism. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no respect of persons with God. And, <clears throat> you know, we, we might uh, start in our life and be struggling a bit, and then because uncle or dad or mum knows somebody who has this, uh, we get a privileged in. <laughs> and, you know, we get the job, even though we haven't got the qualifications, because <laughs> not with God. <laughs> yeah. He's not a respecter of persons or position. In Psalm 116, verse 5, it says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. Praise the Lord for that. Because none of us would be here. We'd all be consumed when we chose to sin and rebel against him. God is merciful. God, Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his work works. He's just and righteous. The practical implications, <clears throat> we can expect Justice on Judgment Day. <clears throat> and there is not just one judgment. There is the judgment of the Lord Jesus on the cross for our sins. That doesn't seem just, does it? <laughs> but he died innocently as an innocent individual for us. <clears throat> there is the judgment of Christians today. Hebrews 11 speaks of that. There is the judgment, the Bemis say judgment of Christians there is a judgment of the nations at the end of the tribulation, whether they be saved or not, sheep or goats, whether they go into the millennium and save people, mortals, or go to hell at that time. There is the judgment of the great white throne judgment. All these judgments are spoken about. 
And that will be a terrible judgment because that's where unsaved people are and justice will be done. Can you imagine people like Hitler, Stalin and all those guys who've killed millions? They think in life they're getting away with it. Justice. God is God of justice. That will be brought to light and judgment according to works will happen. I praise God that Christians don't face that judgment. We face judgment for our works, what we've done for the Lord, not for condemnation. Um, So, practical implication, we can expect justice on Judgment Day, (laughs) in in which he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, Acts 17.31, by the man whom he hath ordained, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 21, down to verse 26. God is just and righteous, and listen to the verses here. But now the righteousness of God without the law is being manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a satisfactory sacrifice through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's a loaded verse, (laughs) the verse 25, with so many truths. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him who believe in Jesus. Question is put, <clears throat> or some people ask, how can God be just and the justifier of the unrighteous? How can God get people off the payment of their sin? We just read it, didn't we? Through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. God was satisfied with that payment. The Father satisfied, the Son gave it. And therefore we can come with his imputed righteousness before a holy God and before a just God and a righteous God justified, just as if we had never sinned. What a privilege. Last one for this morning, God is love. This is one that's emphasised by many people. Most churches will talk about this, but they won't talk about the other ones. The judgment and things like that, and the justice, the righteousness of God. We need to talk about them in balance. But here, in God is love, it says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. It says also in 1 John 4, 10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the Propitiation, there's that word again, the satisfying sacrifice for the holy demands of God, to be the propitiation for our sins. He bore our sins in his own body on the cross. We have to believe. If we don't believe, we have our sin on ourselves. And we'll face a just God for that. <clears throat> in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it reads... But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even 
when we were dead in sins, even when we were non-believing, unsaved sinners, he hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God is love, rich in mercy for his great love. I pray that you know the love of God that has been exercised in your life as you've received his gift of salvation. A true definition of love must include both the compassion and the correction of love. For instance, a baby. When a baby comes, parents, well, I pray they do. They just love the baby. (laughs) This is what God gave us. Goo-gah and poking the cheeks and pinching them and, and all those things happen and and then they get to about two and the terrible two set in. Uh, I don't know, when Christians get to about two, they stop appreciating their salvation. But anyway, babies do that. And, and, they, and they do the things that you tell them not to do. It's almost like reverse psychology. Don't do that. And they'll do the right thing. But no, don't do, don't do that as parents. Um, <clears throat> you know, we love them as they come into this world and we will do anything for them we do we stay up all night half the time when they're little for them Uh, but it also includes correction does it not you love your child therefore you will not let him play in the middle of the road so he needs correction when he goes out there and even discipline if necessary to stop him going out there I could use illustrations from my own family. They say, don't do that anymore. (laughs) But, you know, children need correction. Spock is not right. (laughs) Dr. Spock. Throw it out. Believe the Bible. Read the book of Proverbs about children raising. It's all there. I mean, not all. Most of us there. Provoke not your children to wrath is in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6. But... They need to be corrected. A child left to himself will bring his mother to shame. A child left to himself will do what he pleases and walk his way. And you know, what does it say? The the gate's left open, the farmer leaves the gate open. Too too late. When they get older, it's, it's almost too late to correct them. It's only by God's grace and mercy that they'll be reined back in. But if you don't do it while they're little... Because you love them and you don't want them to be hurt. If God sees a Christian wandering off into sinful areas and to things he shouldn't do and not walking in his holiness, what will God do? He will correct. And in in Hebrews 12, it talks about chastening. And we shouldn't grow, grow bitter when the chastening comes. We should grow better as we conform to him. And that's only his love that's doing that for us. We all know the verse. What is it? John 3.16. For God so loved the world, the whole lot of us, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's intent is no one perish. I'll do everything I can to have them, but I will not compel them. Uh, we come into another attribute on that, don't we? God only wants volunteers in heaven, those that say, I will, I surrender all. John, 1 John 3.16 says this, By 
This perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay, lay, lay down our life for the brethren, for each other. By this perceive we the love of God. And in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it reads, In this was manifest the love of God toward us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The greatest manifestation is seen of love is seen in the sacrifice of the Son of God for our salvation. And where did the Lord explain a little bit about love? Well, <clears throat> which is the greatest commandment, the, the opposition asked. And what, did, what was the Lord Jesus' reply? You shall, this is the practical application, you shall love the Lord your God who has done all these things for you with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding about this. Just love him and appreciate him and worship him in the beauty of his holiness. And the second, uh -huh, the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as uh, you all had a shower this morning you all got beautified and you put your whatever <laughs> to make yourself look better I mean <laughs> I'm not as old if you're young you don't worry about that <laughs> men I, I pray you just brush your hair and come to church and I had a shower and all those things but you see we 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 want to appear Good. We want to be that. You love yourself. Let's love one another. Do for others as you'd have them do unto you. Let's love one another. God is. There's so many applications of the attribute of the love of God that practical applications should be applied in our life. We shouldn't be talking harshly to one another. We should be loving one another. We should be serving one another. We're ministering to one another with our gifts. I like the ostrich sermon last Sunday night. <laughs> run with it. You know, scorn the horse and his rider and just run like an ostrich. If, if that's all you can do, run. Run. <laughs> or whatever God has given you. Do that. Because he loved you, you want to love him back and give everything. You know? Paul, the moment he got saved, he turned the other way and said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Seeing that I know the sacrifice that was given the Lord Jesus, I want to serve you with everything I've got. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you explain yourself in your word. And, oh Lord, how it challenges these attributes you have, these characteristics that you have, challenges us to be more like you, more like the Savior each day, and to walk a sanctified, a pure, a holy, a godly life for the glory of the God of heaven who is so mighty and wonderful. Bless your holy name. May we conform to you. And if, there's not a, if there is, is an unsaved person listening in, they cannot please you because all their righteousnesses is as filthy rags. They need to believe on the Lord Jesus and he will give them his righteousness. Lord, he, you are a just God. Bless us as we part and rejoice in the knowledge of yourself. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>